Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Salas. And with me, as always, is my very talented friend. And as long as she is my Ethel, I will be her Lucy, the mixtress DC Gina. Hi, Louise. Hi. How are you doing today? Well, we still got this stupid lisp or this stupid dental thing that's going on. So I'm not drunk again, everyone. I haven't started drinking. Well, maybe I have, but it's not that. <laughs> you're not hearing that. It's not the effects of that. It's not me this time. It's not you this time. It's, I, it's my... I think we should all talk in accents. <laughs> I think you got a little I got a little hint of who's here today. I huh? think so. All right, well, let's get into it. Okay, so speaking of Lucille Ball, did you know in 1952, she and Desi Arnaz were the co-hosts of the Emmys, and they're considered uh, one of the all-time favorites? Really? Yeah. And then another, to that note, amazingly, Bob Hope was um, such a great host of the Oscars, he hosted the event 19 times. He did? He did. And uh, I didn't know that. And all this talk about great hosts brings me to today's designated drinker. He's a slightly different kind of host, though, but he is definitely a master of ceremonies. I think you might know him. <laughs> so please welcome the area director of Bocaria Tapas Bar and Restaurant, Neil Dundee. What an amazing reception. I love that. Hi, honey. Hi, baby. How are you? Hi. Oh, I never kiss my guests. So just so everyone knows, Neil is Gina's real Desi Arnaz. (laughs) (laughs) We don't do this with every guest? Well, we can't tell Neil that. He's here. (laughs) (laughs) He listens, folks. He listens. I like that I'm Desi Arnaz and not Ethel. So that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be a different kind of relationship, honey. We have to we have to drive a CRV. Oh wait, it's, we do. It is. Oh, yeah. Ethel, come it's on. A relationship. She's my Ethel. <laughs> um, so um, I know I, I kind of gave you an idea of where I want to take this, but I think I'm gonna change my mind. I want to start off right from the beginning of your career, Neil. I think it's really interesting, and I, I I would venture to say that I'm guessing this probably was the foundation of where you know your your career really took hold and rooted and um, I want to talk about when you were a mere cub mm-hmm. amongst a room full of cougars at the Holiday Inn. At the Holiday Inn. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you really did your research. I thought you were going to start with Paperboy. That was when I was 13 no. and there was no cougars on that route that's for sure. Have, uh, wait, wait a minute hold on I want to be clear because I don't think Neil knows. I don't bait Louise, but like who people are. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm sure you don't know. I, I know where she got that information. <laughs> That's funny. You know, and a lot of superstars came out of that that uh, kitchen and bar as well. Brian yeah. Baltaggio and Michael Baltaggio. Oh, look myself. at that. So three amazing people came out of that kitchen. Very humble too, huh? Yeah. yeah. All three of us. All three of us. <laughs> Literally, though, as long as we just talk about me, we can continue. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, start, I started at the Holiday Inn because my brother and sister worked there. Oh. And I idolized them and everything that they did and all the stories they came home with about all these crazy guests and all these things that happened. So I um, got a job as a porter and I set up events and then I brought like beds up to rooms and stuff like that. Oh, look at that. I had my first experience seeing like a fully naked lady there uh, because I was delivering a bed and they opened the door and there was... And how old were you then? Uh, I was 16. Oh, that's hilarious. And that hilarious. was pretty mind-numbing, yeah, at the and time. Sh- mind-numbing and... <laughs> well, coming from titulizing. Like, yeah, I mean, I was <laughs> raised like say. very strict Catholic, so to see something like that, you know, titulizing is great. Well, it was hard for me to say. <laughs> Appropriate, just, you know. 
Um, but then I moved over to the bar and I got a job as a bar back. And I, from there, I went to the Maryland Bartending Academy, which is now located <laughs> right down the street from our house in College Park. Oh, how uh, appropriate. I was a graduate of uh, two weeks. Alum? Alum, yes. <laughs> we, still, uh, we still get together uh, on our 35th or 40th year reunion now. That's hilarious. And, um, and then I became a bartender. And then I also worked in the kitchen uh, part-time. And that's where I met Brian and, and Michael. But uh, from What that, did you do in the kitchen? I worked a lunch buffet. Like what? Like doing what in the kitchen exactly? Like we would make things like ham and cheese soup, or we would have rib day, or there now. would be a bunch of stuff that I would put in a steamer and it was frozen, and then we would steam it for the lunch buffet because okay. it was an office building next door, like a Prudential or something. So what like people that. don't know is I live with this man. Yes. And we, I've seen the cooking. Yes. And now I understand <laughs> why this would have been his only so, cooking job. <laughs> cooking doesn't always involve science. Sometimes it's just sandwiches. <laughs> Very small part of science. Although he does make one meal that is off the charts. He makes skate wing and it was yes. amazing. It took four hours, mm -hmm. 69 pans to make a dish with some sauce. I love mise en place. But really it was um, it was amazing. Everything, like I'm doing a cooking show at home. I have everything in little bowls, all the oh. ingredients, even the salt and pepper, oh, and gotcha. then I can just pour them right in as in I go. In your head, you have a whole yeah. meal show going. And also in my head, it's like going faster somehow, even though it's not, because I'm like, oh, well, everything's prepared already. Just like dump it in as we go. It's like a gift recipe or something. <laughs> it, was, it was it was crazy. It took so long, but it was worth it. It was very. Good. I. So the, the, those bar years, I guess, yeah, really started to build me up because I started to learn about spirits. Yeah. I started to learn about wine and something beyond like Pinot Grigio and Rosé and and then uh, just continue. I mean, like the Rosé there was White Zinfandel from Sutter Home okay. in the oh little bottles. Gosh. Was it in, was it in yes. little bottles or a big box? No. Well, we had both. We had there it on the go. gun and that I'll never forget. On that. the we, gun? We had it on the gun. Yeah. Because... Well, because we did this. Meal on the gun. So when I, <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> let, me, let me back up a little bit. So when I first became the bartender there, or one of the bartenders, the Sunday night shift was the one that nobody wanted. And that's because it was the Frederick Singles Club. And in our ballroom <laughs> in Frederick County, it was the largest ballroom in Frederick County, probably the only one at the time. And uh, they would rent it out, this Frederick Singles Club. And it was all, you know, like my age now, people who were single and kids. And uh, they would all collect on a Sunday night and just like really go hard. I mean, really, like the, yeah. the portable bars there were just empty at the end of it. That's hilarious. And when it was over, they would all come to the bar for a nightcap. Of course. And then it was like, that's the cougar. That was when you really saw the, you know, like that kind of low Claws head, out. eyes up. Yeah. And like dancing like you've never seen before. I remember this guy. On the, <laughs> Burned super, into your retinas. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, there's this guy, uh, John Tregoning. And I remember his name because he owned the best bail bonds. Um, in Frederick City, and he would come to this every week, and he danced like he was having a seizure six times over. And most of the people didn't even get near him. He always went home alone. But man, he tipped well. He only drank water. It was—I'll oh. yeah, never forget that guy. He was great. And then, just the mayhem you would see of these people who just a few years earlier, because I was 18 at this yeah. time, you know, were like my friends' moms and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is gross. Oh, what are they doing over in the corner? You know. And, <laughs> And then clean, cleaning up throw up later and uh, and not trying to tell my friends about it afterward. <laughs> Small city. Your mom was a hot mess. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely a diving board to where I am now. I mean, yeah. 100% we could skip everything else and just go right to where I am now. <laughs> you know what, though? I think I think what a lot of people miss is like in this industry, like, you know, like, oh, you get to be these, like, you know, you have a new job title. You're, you know, it's amazing, you know, being an area director and stuff. But like all of those experiences like lead to really what Neil does the most. And I'll, I'll get in there a little bit sooner. 
his his attention to service and detail um, in the business like really stems from knowing all the aspects of the business and yeah. not being just like the person that you know walks into a job you know came out of college walks into a job and now all of a sudden you just became the CEO of a restaurant group yeah and you have no idea when someone says to you uh, my me I'm missing my me's and they're like what your knees fell off you're like no I'm missing my me's you what Meanwhile, I mean, I'll let you. I'll let you in there. You know, I wanted to just, uh, tell everybody. You hear all the birds. Uh, it must be mating time in suburbia. We're here at Union Market, <laughs> sitting in suburbia, and it just like turned into Wild Kingdom behind us. So I want to make sure it. everybody it's knows. Atmosphere, and that's important in any restaurant setting. I mean, it, it is like the musk that's coming off of me. It right? is. It, it, it's, it's all it's the pheromones that's yeah. happening with the two of you together. <laughs> I keep getting closer to you, know, like he's moving away, but I'm realizing that he's it's actually very hot. hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a warmer it's a warmer afternoon. All right. Anyway, so speaking warm, what do you yeah. have the coolest? I was going to say I do have something to cool you off. So um, I know our designated drinker. I would think so. And this man loves yeah, inside and out. He did give me two children, everybody. <laughs> um, this man, we have, well, one of the reasons why I, want, I made this drink specifically is because we have a little bit of a love for this together. When we, Neil and I went on our first, I would say official date, we had a dates, we had meetings. Yes. Actually, when Neil and I started, when Neil started courting me, <laughs> he we had a meeting. Everything was disguised as a meeting. Nothing was a date. Continue. Yes. And then one night we had a date. And our date started with what's in here, Maker's Mark. Yes. And um, it's Neil's longtime love, and he has actually has a tattoo. He actually has a tattoo of Maker's Mark on his arm. Okay. And we love it. So what we made, and it's appropriate for the time of year where we're and we're sitting outside. We have a beautiful Maker's Mark ginger mint julep. Lovely. A ginger mint julep. Julep. A Julie. Oh, or a Julie. Or a Julie. Ginger mint julep. Thank you. So we started off with um, two ounces of Maker's Mark. That's delicious. Um, and I like mine is a little less sweet, so I use three quarters ounce of ginger syrup. One sprig of um, like a larger sprig of spearmint which we have growing wildly here and we gently muddle it we don't we don't beat it to death we don't make it all gross and stemmy we just gently muddle it you know you can remove it if you like you can still leave it in there finish it with crushed ice let it sit for a minute and let your tin get a little bit icy on the outside and when it's a little bit icy on the outside put a little bit of powdered sugar over the top just a little. It's a little dance. A little bit more sugar goes on the top, so that when the ice starts to melt, you have a little bit more sweetener. And the sweetener, the spirit, everything comes together, and it gives you a beautiful cocktail. Let me ask you this, Gina. Is it inappropriate, like, to crush your ice with your straw? Do you just really want no. it to naturally, no, no, like... No, 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 Play with your drink. You can play with your drink. I think, I think there's no wrong way to do it. I do think that you shouldn't snort it. <laughs> I was going to say, it definitely looks like snow. It's nice with all the ice yeah. and the snow on top of them. Yeah, you just don't want to snort it because if you do, you're going to choke because powdered sugar has, um, you know, it, sometimes people mix it with cornstarch and then it'll get stuck in your nose and then you'll look like you were in the movie. You yeah, with Pablo Escobar, so don't snort it. That's yeah. a good PSA for everyone. Yeah. Kids, if you're listening, don't snort powdered sugar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Francesca, don't snort powdered sugar. So what do you think of the drink? I think the drink is delicious. I've never had a bad drink from Gina, ever, honestly. So I love it, and I love Maker's Mark. It's perfect. Win, win, win. All right. That's it. Mm-hmm. Let's get, now let's get, back to, let's get back to what you do. Talk. Let's talk about really service. Like what, Why... What is your passion about service? Because I feel like we talk about it 
all the time. So I want everybody else to understand what you bore me to death with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our home con- our couch conversations. Yeah. No. Pillow talk. <laughs> Pillow talk on the Neil and Gina show. Yeah. This is exciting. Well, it's actually good that you started with my, my days at the Holiday Inn when I first became a bartender because that was my entrance into the industry and, um, you know, guest facing. And I was always super excited. I mean, every day I went to work, I was excited because I had knowledge, I could make drinks, I could make people happy and make connections with people and keep them coming back. And that's that was awesome. And there was like a really weird group of regulars that came in there all the time. Well, so it's for my, because they had nowhere else to go? Pretty much. Uh, there was like <laughs> truckers who parked in the mall next door that would come up and, you know, they would stay overnight and just drink at the bar and then go back down to the truck. And people in a hotel are also like very rotating. You know, people come into business for um, like Fort Detrick is there. So uh, where like anthrax was invented. So you'd really meet some characters. <laughs> and, um, but I was always excited to go to work and, and just having fun with people. And so often now, as we fast forward to 2019, you know, you go out for service and whether it's like a coffee shop or whether you're on the phone because like your fridge is broke and you're trying to connect with somebody and, and you're not getting that same connection. Yeah. You know, if, if, whether it's fast food or a restaurant or, or wherever you are, and you're not getting nice service, you know, you're not getting somebody with a big smile who just wants to genuinely be there to help you, it's super frustrating. And so what do you do? You go to Yelp and you get behind the computer anonymously or not anonymously. And then you write all these, you know, like Greg the millennial, like was at a coffee shop and his (laughs) Wi-Fi went out for two minutes. And then he's super upset and man, I wish I could give this place zero stars. And he doesn't take into account like all the things that went into the coffee shop you know, to make it so great. And he had good service, but one thing happened and it really threw him off. But, you know, like this poor guy had no Wi-Fi for two minutes. I always think it's um, really interesting. And you can usually pick them out pretty quickly, people who've never worked in the service industry. Because I think you learn so many lessons going through it. And to your point, you learn, you know, you get a greater appreciation. Mm-hmm. And I think you learn ta- skills that you can take forward in all aspects of your life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody's got good days, good days and bad days, right? And when you go to work, you're supposed to put everything to the side and then go in and put on that fresh face. And you can't always do that. And yeah. I understand that. So then you need to take a step back. But the big push is that for good service, you know, regardless of all your steps of service that you write, you know, and that, you know, you answer the phone and you say, hello, thank you for calling such and such. And you end it with, I hope you have a great day. It's, it's really easy to put down on paper. And it's just easy to say like, well, that person's going to do that now because I told him once, but that's not the case. You have to like continually work with people and make sure that you're also identifying who they are. You know, like when I first started in the restaurant business, if you were having a bad day, you just got screamed at until you were like super upset or you were in tears in the back and nobody cared. And then if you cried, you made it worse for yourself, you know, for the next shift. And those, that was just common everywhere you went, you know, in kitchens and bars. And, and nobody cared about your feelings. And that, that's all changed now. And, and on both sides of the coin, from the guests and from, you know, doing a service standpoint. So, like, when we talk about service at home and we're always, and we're always you know, like, geared toward good and bad. And we read the reviews on each other's restaurants for Gina and I. And we talk about what we could have fixed and, and what happened. And... And sometimes, you know, you got to fire the guest. That's a definite, you know, that just didn't work out. You know, like, well, I went here in order to BLT and I don't even like tomato and I can't believe this place served me tomato and they're going to be out of business in two months. Okay, well, like, you didn't get it, you know, and that's fair and maybe you should go somewhere else. But when you go to a place and you just have a bad attitude from a server and and it, it just takes away from the entire experience. And I think a lot of people just forget that you need to start each day and each shift with remembering that everybody's a human being and that on any, on any level, 
of whatever goes wrong in the service, if you're just treating somebody like a human being and smiling and being nice to them, you can fix it, you can correct it. We all know that something will happen that might go bad, but you, you just need to like take a step back down to a very basic level of like, we're all human beings yeah, and we all get along on some level and we can make that connection. And that's the thing, you need to make that connection so you can still feel alive. Yeah. How do you, how do you, um, how do you play it forward? How is, how, what do you do, both of you in the industry, when you know your person's having a bad day or just in that bad moment, what do you do to help them get past that so that your guest doesn't see it or doesn't feel it? Even if you're, even beyond the fact that you know that you're trying to, this is a human being and you want to take care of them, mm-hmm. how do you make sure it doesn't go the other, go any further? It's, what do you do? It's tough. I mean, I gotta, I'm to be honest with you, there's a lot of things that you, do, you that happen and you have to like make an even playing field in a restaurant. Because if you get all emotionally involved and act in, in one of your employees' emotional issues, it becomes the centerpiece of what's happening and then the restaurant doesn't function anymore. So almost you have to isolate what's happening with one person and, and go back to it after shift. And you can talk to them on the off time, but if you talk to them before, it's always a bad idea because it brings it more forward. And if it's one of those things where something can't be avoided, sometimes you gotta just send somebody home. Yeah. Send them home or send them off the floor? For send them off the floor until they get themselves together or like maybe they just can't get themselves together. Maybe something's so bad they just can't do it and you have to have that human element but it's not all operators that operate like that. You have yeah. to want to be that operator that has compassion for people that work for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because it drips down and then they feel it and then they want to also do that, you know? Like the leader is bringing the good, you know? Yeah. It really comes through. Yeah. When you first asked that question, my, my thought was listen is really a huge thing that yeah. a lot of people miss is, you know, somebody could be having some tragic thing happen in their family and they still came into work, which is awesome. And on time. Thank you. That's <laughs> yeah. great. And you know what? Let me listen to you for a minute. And that's, that's really all people need sometimes yeah. because again, we're human beings and we just need to be listened to. I think that applies forward to just about everything. But so, I, you but know I, what I mean? Like, Oh, sorry. sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, I think that the, that's also why I think service is um, key to, like, life in general. I mean, I, I learned so much while I was in college that I, and going and working in the food and beverage industry, that I still apply to a lot of parts of my life. I think it gives you grit. I think it gives you, yeah. like, you can feel crappy in the middle or somebody chews you out, but you just got to keep going and get to the end of the evening and keep your other guests going. I think I just learned a lot from, from learning how to juggle, but then also just get through the night sometimes Mm -hmm. and do it with grace you know i have to say one thing that people don't understand like just if you've never been in the restaurant business that the service is two-sided when you're a guest and you come in and you've had maybe a bad day at work or a fight with your spouse in the car before you got out of the car and now you come in and you have immediately are not in the mood for something right you know so it's okay to cancel a reservation right (laughs) Yeah. Because the last thing that we need is you to be fighting at the table with your spouse. <laughs> Colossal meltdown. And then, the and then, up. or whatever it is, and then take it out on the service that people are trying to provide to you. And then because the server happens to be super nice, that you feel like they're being condescending towards you, yeah. but they're not and because you're just in a different headspace. And I think that sometimes, like, service is, is two-sided and... And, like, I mean that. I mean that in generally. If you're having the worst day of your life, don't go to a restaurant. Don't go to a restaurant that is trying to give you the best experience because yeah. it isn't going to work. Yeah. I have some of those friends that no matter what happens, the dish is wrong. Every time, no matter what restaurant we go to, Oh, we had dinner with a couple dish, like that once. I have two yeah. friends, yeah. almost notorious 
every time Dave and I go out, we're like, oh, here it comes. Something's going to be wrong. Does with it start dish. with the ordering process? When the ordering process starts to take way too long because they're trying to make their own menu or they're trying to like say, oh, well, I have this one allergy to this one ingredient that's in here. Can you make it without that? That's usually when my cue that I'm like, this is going to go south. <laughs> and it does. We had dinner with a couple like that. Or, or, or it's the opposite is they do have an allergy to a nut and they don't say anything mm. until after the fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Well, those are totally different problems. Yeah. 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 You know, that's actually a really good thing to bring up talking about service. If you're going out, you know, this is like, um, because this is a PSA today. Yeah. If you're going out to dinner and you have an allergy, please don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. Make sure that everybody seems to know that that's happening because I've seen people literally not know what an ingredient is just to say it's a nut but it happens to be written in a different language or a different yeah. way of saying it yeah and then they have a nut allergy and it's it, why wouldn't you tell somebody you have a nut allergy is like it, yeah tell really. them that's something that really follows you around your whole life i guess you get comfortable with it and you don't think about it all of a sudden but you know like i've seen people with the card that they hand out with all their yeah. allergies which is super helpful you know you take it to the chef and you're like this is all the things they can't have they're allergic wow. to broccoli that's yes. that was a huge one I, really? I, yeah, broccoli. We, I, you Our know, daughter to told that. us this morning that broccoli is a flower. Yeah. That's right. We did. She taught us that. She did. She's five. She's five. She's so smart. She's she's so much smarter than hopefully going to take care of us later yes. in life. Yeah. <laughs> we're riding a lot on. They're going to be her being successful. Yeah, they're going to be like my dumb, my dumb parents worked in the restaurant industry their whole lives. Gianna, please, we're going to need walkers later in life. Make sure we have them. No, literally, somebody to walk me around. That's what I want. By a little rascal. Walker. Get a little rascal. Treat oh, me like a human rascal would be nice. So, um. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Tell me, how, how does one become a Psalm? Oh, some oh, yay. Um, <laughs> you know, my knee-jerk answer to that is always that uh, you become one by being an alcoholic, right? <laughs> and a, a portion of that's true, you know? Like, every time you tell a little joke, there's, like, a little portion of it that's true, right? But um, I became super interested in wine. I mean, first it started with beer and spirits and then wine, and then that whole world of wine is like this super pretentious like untouched world and you you can kind of liken it to anything like tennis or horse racing where you know a little bit about it but you don't know a lot and then the people who do like come off sounding like a total jerk because yeah. they like super educate you oh, really fast I just thought and, that was you yeah no that's me <laughs> it is <laughs> which is why I took to wine so well I'm like oh I can be a jerk and get paid for this Perfect. awesome table side <laughs> Pretentious, free of charge. <laughs> and then with every wine, there became like a new fact that I could learn or, you know, a new thing. And then you knew that. And really what it is, is it's like a study of geography. It's, um, I mean, that's the main thing. And then uh, beyond geography, you start to study the grapes. And then you get into how they make the, each wine. And, and then you learn all these things. And there are these little tick moments, you know, where you, you're like, oh, well, I can talk about that table side. Or I know about this wine because I can talk about that. And it just became a challenge to me. And then there's these different uh, organizations who say, if you come to us and you pay us, we will test you. And then you can say that you've passed this test and I'll, I'll leave them unnamed. And that's how the journey started. So I was actually became a SOM um, for Wolfgang Puck in Atlantic City. Oh. Um, I had knowledge and I could taste and I could, I was right on the verge of like my blind tasting experiences and identifying wine without knowing what it was. And uh, I took to that really well. And they hired me as a Psalm there in Atlantic City. I'll never forget, my first bottle I sold was Riesling. They ordered Riesling. <laughs> and I didn't miss a beat. And I just said, okay, because yeah. I wasn't going to correct them yeah. because that's pretentious. And <laughs> I, got, I got the bottle and I brought it out. It was a screw cap. And this is my first, first bottle table side opening as a Psalm. And I'm like, 
<laughs> here you go. <laughs> Enjoy your Risling. <laughs> and it was like $45. And it was from California. And they loved it. And they had a great experience. And they were from, I don't even remember, you know, like Minnesota or something. Yeah. And they were in Atlantic City for the weekend. And it was awesome. And I'll never forget that my entire life. Risling. And then as I moved on and um, I got a job with, I got to stop bringing this guy up, but Brian Voltaggio and Volt and Frederick. And I was um, the. We always have him on the show. With yeah, me. really, we should. We could tell we some should. stories. No, because um, Neil only wants to talk about himself. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did. Really clear. <laughs> well, that would be great because it's very difficult with Brian. Um, <laughs> so uh, we opened this restaurant in Frederick, and the Psalm walked out like after the first couple of weeks. Uh, he couldn't take the pressure. So I took over. I was the general manager, and I took over the Psalm responsibilities too. And uh, it took off from there. And then there was kind of a push for me to be certified. And uh, which I didn't want to do because I was like, no, those guys are super pretentious and I'm only, you know, partially pretentious and, and I don't need to like pay them to tell me that I'm he really, like, really pretentious. <laughs> I was like, you're more than halfway there. I know. <laughs> I'm like, who is this person sitting next to me? <laughs> if you give us $400, we will certify that you're an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants that really certified. Yeah, and you get a pin to wear on your lapel. And, um, Where is your so pins? It's, they're in my, um, the top of my dresser drawer. We should Actually, make art with them for the kids. We should. No, I should just give them to them. Like, they like love jewelry. It. Can I put it on their bracelet that I have to fix every two days? <laughs> Francesca's bracelet. Um, so I went ahead and did the certification, and it was great. And I did the first level, and then I did the second level. And then I went for the third level, and um, it, it just got complicated. And you have to get accepted for the third level. And then on top of that, you have to go to another city for a week, and you have to get a hotel room. And it's a week of testing and there's theory and there's table side service and all of that. And um, I didn't get accepted for it. And I found out later that uh, the person in charge of accepting you said that I was, um, what was I, was like hot fire or I was a loose cannon. Oh, That's right. Loose yeah. cannon. I like hot fire also. I think I just invented that, but yeah, I, think I was hot fire. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that fire. is. So if anybody knows my husband, <laughs> if anybody knows my husband out there who's listening to this, you'll know that he probably didn't want to go because he had to pay for the hotel room <laughs> and it wasn't $1.50. And the flight. And the flight. For, oh, an airplane? We're definitely not going. So it was, yeah, because it was like $1,500 to take this test and there's no guarantee you pass. So I mean, like why spend all that money? When I already had passed the test where I did two blind tastings. When you already know you're an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, <laughs> Louise. You ever, I appreciate that. The um, Ethel to my Lucy <laughs> saved me from this. <laughs> Have you ever seen Harry Potter? I saw like one of them, yeah. When they go to the bank and there's this little trolls counting all the money. No, I didn't they, see that. Oh, like, yeah. Gringotts, right? And they're counting all the money and, and they look at each other and they're like, don't give him the penny. I'm sitting right here with that guy. This is my famous last words. I've never tipped a valet. <laughs> Do you even know what that's like for me? What? No. So since Neil and I have been together, yeah, I come from New York. We tip yeah. everybody. Tip yeah. the garbage man, the mailman, yeah, the plumber, the plumber, everybody. It doesn't Unreal. matter. I tip, tip. I tip everybody. One day we went somewhere. The valet she never tipped me. The valet. The valet. True. You deserve a tip. The valet. The valet. I, I just gave her. Right I gave her just a tip. I gave her just no. a tip. Oh, wow. Anyway, so I keep coming back for more. That's right. It was good. It was good. Remember, we're still talking about service. So she was serviced. It was good. Um, he didn't tip a valet, and I was like, "Did you tip that guy?" She's like, "Why would I tip that guy?" And I was like, he's getting paid minimum wage. We, it wasn't nice either. We work in the service industry. I feel like you have to tip everybody, right? So my uncle, I was in Florida recently, and my uncle is the ultimate tipper, right? He's always got a crisp 50 for somebody. And Uncle Michael. 
he's the best. And uh, he, like, I, I came back. So I said to Neil, I was like, Neil, you got to be more like Uncle Michael. Now, I realize I'm going to put a wad of 50s in his wallet and start giving them out to people. But I was like, we could start with the ones. <laughs> Just because, like, I want to, I, I feel like you, ha- you have to, play. I believe this. If you're in the service industry and you don't give service to other people or tips or gratuity or stuff, that you will legitimately never get it back. And I, want, and I want the good, like, karma coming to it's my It's such staff. a karma thing, but it's not fair with valets because you never see them again. <laughs> and, you know, like, tips means to ensure proper service. That's what the whole thing means. Does it? Yes, that's what it stands for, to ensure proper service. So if I tip a valet and I never see the guy again, he's never going to get my car faster than the last time. Stop again. It- I've been in the restaurant industry my entire life. I did not know what this means. Say it again. Tips means to ensure proper service. God Come on! I did so, not know that. Yeah, if you're tipping somebody, that means the next time you come back, you're ensuring that they're going to give you proper service. What? So, like... Drop the mic, Louise. Yeah. <laughs> not literally, not what literally. The, what the F just happened? <laughs> I did not know that. You just got really? school. I thought everybody knew that. No, I didn't know oh. that. So for valet, it's such like a nomadic <laughs> atmosphere there. I've never seen the same valet twice. Like, why am I going to tip him? No, like, I don't tip the dry cleaner, but I see well, them all the time. So well, maybe you might have a point. I do tip our dry cleaner. Hold on. I do tip our dry cleaner. That's why she loves us. And she also knows our phone number. Top of her head. She's the best. Nice. Oh, she is great. So what... What advice would you give people who are just entering the industry then? Entering the industry. What's the first thing we always say? Run. Run away. <laughs> go back to college. What are you thinking? No, they come Get from college now, Neil. They come I know. That's why I said go back to college. <laughs> Get another degree. Whatever it takes. If you're entering the industry now, it depends on the level that you're entering, you know, to really give you the proper advice. But if you're, you know, bored at your job and you're picking up extra hours as a server, and it's exciting and you're working late nights and you're hanging out with your friends that you work with afterward in bars and you know you're you're having a good time um enjoy that you know enjoy that experience and that you're you're learning something new about food and beverage because the education is is really what's being pushed hard on people and as well as service um but if you're entering the industry and you're in the kitchen you know learn shut up and learn that's yeah. like your first thing is just shut up. Like nobody cares where you came from or anything. You just need to learn right now. And you, you see articles about chefs who are like, you know, I, I shouldn't have to work these years in the in the in the pits. You know, yeah, right out of culinary and, school. Yes, and I yeah, should, you do. I should deserve this right away. And I mean, there's people who can achieve that, you know. But I mean, like not everybody's Robert Downey Jr., right? Yeah. You know, you just it's not going to happen. You don't win the lottery that way. You just if you if it happens, it happens. Great, but most of you are going to work really hard. Yeah. And and to get to that dream of owning your own restaurant or getting to that dream of moving up in the restaurant industry, you'll make less money. You you'll make less money. You'll work That's a lot a of hours, cut. and but you're going to be happier, right? Yeah, I'm happier. I'm happier. And I, I look back at the years. You know, this is a great conversation because I don't really reflect back a lot. You know, on, on what I did before. I'm not as much as I love to talk about myself. I'm not always thinking about myself. And um, you think about all those years that you worked so hard and all those hours and, and where you are now, and it's it's rewarding. But it's difficult to tell somebody that when they first enter the restaurant business. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And if you're talking with a busser, I mean, I've seen bussers who've moved up into server and who've moved up into manager, and yeah. that's awesome. And they wanted it. Yeah. You know, and you have to want it. So. On top of all the advice it. you could give, it's yeah. got to come from them, yeah. right? Yep. You know, to piggyback on what you just said, I do think wanting it, like being in this career and you want to be a lifer and you want all those things, you need, to, you do need to want it. You have to work, but you also like have to have the heart for it. Yeah. You got to have like this this thing in your heart where you say that you really like people enough to feed them, yeah. because feeding people. 
whether you hand them the dish and you're the server, you're the manager and you check in on them, you're the chef, you create it, you're back of the house and you're chopping it, or you're the dishwasher and you're cleaning it. You have to want to serve humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you gotta think about that in your soul. Like, is that, is that what you really want? I get satisfaction when people eat my food and I watch them and they're happy and they're content and they're like, oh, that was really good. Or they're taking pictures or whatever. Or they or they bring me a new baby because they, they had a new baby in a restaurant. Like, you know, they, they met at a restaurant and it's their second kid and, and they put them up on our Instagram. And we're like, oh, we got a new Kanish. And you people live their lives in the walls of your restaurant you know they live your lives they live their lives they they they, they meet there they get married there they, they break up with their, their family there they, they they do business there they unfortunately have funerals they, a million things happen there so it's, for you the person to serve them you have to want to be part of that so if you're not a people person please don't apply for any of these jobs <laughs> because it's because it's so hard to fire you once you're there yeah because we can become attached to you even though you're a curmudgeon yeah so that's my last psa for this entire thing i love the psa <laughs> this is not these are great <laughs> with that the said you know. it turned into the neil and gina psa show <laughs> um, wait let's wait so hold on i mean we gotta we gotta wrap this up because it's getting freaking hot but okay before we do that I want to make sure that people head over to designateddrinker.show. Where are we going? That's designateddrinker.show. One drink. She had one hold drink. Hold on. Hold on. I stop. It. I'll stop. Can I say it again? <laughs> yes. Say it again. Sam. Designateddrinker.show. Yes. And what are you going to get up there? You get my recipes, how to find Neil. I'll give you his personal phone number. He hates you back. <laughs> you can ask him questions about service or just his general style, which is awesome. And we'll give you all that information. And then you can visit Neil at Boca Ria. Yes. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. please do. Yeah. No, you can put my phone number up. People can text me for reservations. Oh, my it. God. That would be amazing. Do it. <laughs> we have to ask the last question. No, you have to ask the last question. What's the last Neil. question? You know, if you've been listening to the episodes, you would know. I listen to every one on Alexa. In our lie. House. It's a lie. The then, you know, then you know the last question. Go ahead. What's your spirit ingredient? One ingredient defines you for life. What is it? Uh, <laughs> one ingredient that defines me for life. No. <laughs> Here's the I was thinking Gina, and then I was also thinking cactus because you're always calling me a curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like thinking very prickly and like bitter. Cactus fruit's good. Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, uh, I think my favorite, probably my spirit ingredient is going to be something from the garden. So I'll probably say mint because we have so much of it growing up back. I love that, honey. It's in his cocktail. It is. There's so much mint around. <laughs> <laughs> For the next 20,000 episodes, it'll be just about mint. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Anything else? Because no. this is definitely the Neil let's, and let's Gina take, show. Let's take it to, let's take it to suburbia. What do you All think? Right, let's yeah. go. Right, Cheers. Let's go. Thanks.